What is up, everybody? Welcome into another great episode of More Important Issues. I'm ready to go. Hey, I know we can we can dwell on some some you know negatives from the weekend, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm gonna try to stay positive. It's been a good weekend overall. Um, it's uh, hey, did you catch the next last two episodes of the Juice? So I didn't get to watch today's. Okay, so I didn't even know there was a second, so I had to catch up. So I watched both today. Um, again, great. Great stuff. Uh, it just gets I, like I feel like I'm like gonna be the next PR person for Tennessee. You're gonna see me, uh, I guess, sunshine pumping stuff because I watched it and I was like, I just love this. I just love this. I love Tennessee. Like it's just that simple. I love Tennessee. Yeah, and anything with Inky Johnson's voice just makes you want to run through a wall. So, and then I, I, I'll share. Did you? Did I send the video of the kid crying when to the Fulgerson returning video? No, I didn't. So I cried today. I, I like for the second time over John Fulkerson returning. <laughs> I was about to say, I, I, I was that kid. I no, I know. I was like, I relate to this kid, and I'm 26 years old. Um, <laughs> but I'll send it to you. So I cried Friday, and then uh, his parents posted the video um, sometime on Friday, Saturday. I don't know. And um, I cried again because the kid, dude, it's so sweet. The kid's like, he's coming back, <laughs> and it's. It, it, I'm gonna cry thinking about it. It's just like that's why I love Tennessee so much is that stuff. Um, so we're going to talk about Tennessee's new basketball, I guess, new roster, except for Folky. Um, but it, it's been a good, it's been a good weekend to be a Tennessee ball again. Obviously you never want to lose a series, especially to your in-state rival. Um, but it, it was, it was a fun baseball weekend. I've got my baseball shirt on. I hope you guys got it ordered. If you didn't Landon might try to get you a third round. We'll see. Maybe before Omaha, there can be a third round. Yeah, maybe we'll, we'll see how much we get. Because last time we had to do it again, because so many people asked me, so I was like, I got to do it again. So if you know we get a lot of love from it, um, I might have to to do a third round. But it was it was nice to see some of those shirts in the stadium. I was about to say we we need to sneak some down to the first baseline. A lot of ESPN cameras panning down to the Vol creatures. We need to see if we can get some down to there and get some exposure for the, in my opinion, the best base baseball shirt. Yeah, there you go. They they buy some of ours. We buy some of theirs. Exactly. Yeah, little uh, helping each other out. Exactly. Um, can't wait. Wait, I, I'm excited to talk about this. I, I told you I've got a rant for the um, the just I guess fandom that is Tennessee baseball because a lot of people are like, "Oh, Tennessee's just cheering for them now because they're good." Yeah, that's kind of how cheering for teams work, and I'll get into that. Um, but I'm excited to talk baseball. We're gonna have Eric Kane on later, guys, um, from WMNL, WNNL, and Locked On Vols podcast uh, to talk a little bit about spring practice. He's been he's been around. He he knows. He knows his stuff and uh, getting some of his insight and uh, seeing what he's what he's thinking about what Josh Heupel is doing so far in the in the limited that he's been on campus. So excited to talk to Eric Kane about that. Yeah, and, and uh, uh, former teammate of mine. And uh, for Numenite, are you guys Numenites? Uh, I would I would say no. He might say yes. He <laughs> okay. might. Be a we can ask him that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I got a funny story to tell about Eric Kane when he gets on. So I'm, hey. I'm super excited for that. Excellent. Well, let's, let's do it. We're going to jump into the show. Before we do that, though, Landon's going to tell you guys about all of our uh, sponsors. Tell us where you're listening from, um, even if it's another country, preferably another country. We're big, Absolutely. big geography guys. We want to learn more. Learn as we go. <laughs> That's how we get better. Um, exactly. But, guys, go check out our sponsors, Tennessee Tap House, Hound Dogs, and Blue Water Climate Control. Here is a quick word from our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. 
People always ask, where did we get the name Blue Water Climate Control? When a Navy ship casts off lines, exits the harbor, and loses sight of land, that's blue water sailing. It takes a team of people to do that tireless work, focus, and attention to detail. So much of starting a business is just like that. After it's done, you get filled with deep satisfaction for accomplishing something. And it's quickly followed by, now the real work begins. We're Blue Water Climate Control. All right, guys, I'll see you guys on the other side. I'm excited to talk about this baseball series and big rant. Let's get it. Mm. Balls are back. Yeah, they had us the first half. I'm not going to lie. Oh, it could be Wayne. I think I got my swagger back. Oh, oh. I love it, baby. Them orange britches. Something about them orange britches. I made up my mind, and I don't expect to ever look back. I'm going to stay at the University of Tennessee. Yeah! Rid it, dit to do, and welcome into more important issues. It is Sunday, April 18th. I'm excited to talk about Tennessee baseball. I'm always excited to talk about Tennessee baseball. We've always been a big uh, Tony Vitello podcast, always been a big Tennessee baseball podcast. Ross and, Tibbet, uh, Ross, of, course, of course. <laughs> and um, it, it's a great time to be a Tennessee ball. Oh, well, first off, for me, it always is, even when it's sad. Um, but this this baseball program is heading in the right direction. Hey, let's, let's talk about that too. Because um, a lot of people, you know, whether you follow baseball passionately, if you're just starting to get into it because Tennessee is heading in the right direction, um, it's you, you never want to see your team lose a series ever. It sucks. But you weren't going to go undefeated. You weren't going to beat all the top teams on your way to the, uh, you know, on your ascent. So, like, this is just kind of part of the process. It happens. Um, the fact is Tennessee did beat, I guess, the number two team in the nation now after they lost to Georgia last weekend in the series. Um, they did. They, they at least got them once. Um, you, you had to do it to prove it. You had to do it at least once. They did at least once. Obviously, again, you never want to lose this series. And we're going to, you know, we're going to talk about some of the things because today Tennessee had their chances and just kind of shot them. I mean, Vanderbilt, first off, Vanderbilt, uh, they, they did take advantage too of uh, Connor Pavoloni being out and maybe some, uh, you know, maybe not like they took advantage in their base running of, of Tennessee, maybe having to rely on some different things. So credit to Vanderbilt. Uh, but Tennessee also made some mistakes along the way that, that could have helped them win that series. Yeah. I mean, they came up a little, a little short, but you know, I, I couldn't help to, to be like excited about this program because if you look on paper, you look at Vanderbilt's roster, they probably have eight to 10 first round draft picks on their roster. You look at Tennessee's, they might have one or two. Are you sure uh, about that? Cause ESPN didn't mention that at all, at all this weekend. <laughs> I didn't know I was there. So I, I didn't, I guess I was fortunate enough to not um, watch the ESPN broadcast. So I only, I only listened to ESPN's broadcast today and whoever was with Bob Kessling was like, I mean, just every chance he got mentioning how many guys are going to get drafted, how many guys chose to come play for Tim Corbin rather than going to the draft. Yeah. Um, 
Whatever. I mean, when, when you look on paper, Vanderbilt should beat Tennessee. And, and the fact that Tennessee competed with them all weekend, I think, is really something to, to see. And I think it's it's only kind of scratching the surface where this Tennessee program can be. Because, you know, if you're going to get recruits that you've probably never really gotten before, um, you're going to get guys that, you know, see this passionate fan base, see their see their coach fighting for them like Tony Vitello did on, on Friday night. And, you know, I, I think, you know, sky's the limit for this baseball program. So Vanderbilt better watch out. <laughs> I, it, yeah, it, for sure. And Vanderbilt, you know, you mentioned not just the, the, the guys they have on their roster, their ability to go and get guys because they can recruit their land, their land, the landscape for their recruiting is, is different. Um, they're not just limited, which I mean, t- you, Tennessee's not technically just limited in the same way you want to say to Vanderbilt is to that 11 and a half number or 11.7. Is that what it is? Yeah, something like that. I know, something weird uh, for baseball scholarships. You know, Vanderbilt has the ability because of the way their tuition set up a lot more. That's another. I mean, that's just like they they get lucky that the way they're able to um, set up their tuition and that that at least they use it. I don't know why. I feel like they could use it for more sports, but at least they're using it for one sport. But Vanderbilt's a good baseball program coming off of. I guess are they technically the defending national champions still? Yeah, I, I guess. <laughs> or is yeah. COVID the defending national champion? Yeah, I guess COVID's always going to be the defending <laughs> national championship. I mean, and and there's people out there that that want COVID to to still be there. Tim Corbin might want COVID to still be there. Yeah, and I, I look at that, you know, as you know, maybe he was kind of poking at Tennessee a little bit, but may you know, maybe he just wants more. He wants his atmosphere to be like that too. Oh, I think that's definitely part of it. It, it, it is funny. I just, uh, it, yeah, no, it, it's hilarious. Um, I, again, I think he was just taking a jab. Yeah, I, that actually kind of dawned on me. You know, we were talking about how it's cool to see this team taking the taking on the mindset of, of their coach and kind of how the fan base has now done that. I think that's why Tennessee fans like guys like Lane Kiffin and, and Tony Vitello and Bruce Pearl so much because, like, they want a guy that they can they can root for hard that they kind of identify with that like trash talker that you know got a little bit of swag yeah, to they, him. Like, they relate it, to him. And it's easier to cheer for those guys too, like if you're just being honest, um, right? Because there, there's personality there, and uh, so I think you know Tony Vitello has kind of got that level to him. He's not so much the trash talker like Lane Kiffin, but like the the comment he had on Saturday night uh, about Evan Russell's um, grand slam. He was like, you know, he kind of just hit the ball up in the air, and uh, the fans blew it out with the you know the how electric the crowd is, like that kind of st- like that kind of comment. He did not have to make that. He's like, I know what's going to get them riled up. And did it, and uh, yeah, it got fans riled up, and um, which I mean, he was right. The, the grand slam, the grand slam video. First off, guys, if you haven't watched it on Ball Baseball Instagram, I Landon knew it was out. I think immediately, um, he immediately grabs the railing in front of him. Is like, <laughs> yeah. So, so my dad, when he comes up to bat, my dad's like, if he hits, if he hits this one out, I'm gonna pee on myself. Did he? And then like. <laughs> <laughs> After he <laughs> played, he's like, I beat a little. <laughs> I don't know if he had time to. I'm like, it was early in that bat. Like, right. I don't know if he had time to the bladder build up. But yeah, that was, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how. I guess we're going to kind of jump around. We always kind of do when we talk about the series. But I mean, just a, a great weekend of baseball again. Tennessee, I mean, I, I, we can't forget that two years ago, Tennessee wasn't even playing in the SEC tournament. Oh, yeah. So, like, I mean, like, we can't. I mean, or, I guess know, three years ago now. Van- Vanderbilt put that. So Parker Nolan, their second baseman, is you know from Farragut. Yeah, but this kid committed in 2018. Tennessee didn't make the <laughs> SEC tournament until 2019. So like, right. if you have a 
an offer from Tennessee or, or Vanderbilt, yeah, you probably should have went to Tennessee in 2018. But I think right. that that's probably going to, you know, change a little bit. Obviously, Vanderbilt, I mean, they're the, they're the Alabama, I said it this week, they're the Alabama of college baseball. You know, they get the, the top recruiting classes year in and year out. Um, so if you're able to compete with them right now when, when you don't have the same kind of talent that they have, you know, I think it's something to, to hang your hat on and something to be excited about for the future of Tennessee baseball. Yeah, and then, I mean, you, obviously, again, don't want to lose a series to them. But, like, I mean, you showed you can play with them now. It's like when hope you're hoping you get to see that team in postseason. Because if you if you, more than likely if you see that, if you're Tennessee the way you've been playing this year and you see that team in the postseason, you're probably playing in a pretty meaningful game. Yeah, you'd rather and, lose now than then. <laughs> yeah, and, and so hopefully things can change. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I mean, today alone, which uh, you said a guy was telling you Tennessee just got killed. I mean, yeah, if you want to look at the – you know, the final score. And I mean, even like the, you know, the last probably three innings or so, Ten- you know, Tennessee outside of a Jackson Greer uh, solo home run, Tennessee did, you know, kind of get beat down pretty good, but they also, we mentioned it earlier in the show. I mean, they had chances to end the innings that got away from them. They all happened after two outs and uh, credit to Vanderbilt. And uh, what's his name? Uh, the dude that is a great base runner and um, Bradfield. Right, yeah, just t- took advantage of of Pavoloni being out, and that's not a knock on Jackson Greer. I mean, that's a um, he hadn't played a lot this year. I think just in one other game. Yeah, he's played a couple in, in some midweek games, but not a lot in in SEC play. Um, it's kind of been the car, just Connor Pavoloni been this uh, catcher at that point. Um, yeah, I mean for for him to get his first home run as a Tennessee Vol, growing up a Tennessee fan, I think that's that's huge. And and you mentioned kind of Enrique Bradfield. I mean, he's probably the fastest player in college baseball. Um, right. You know, you might as well just give him third base if he's on base because that's he, that's where he's going, um, or at least second. And I think we made it kind of <laughs> tough on him to to swap third a couple times, but you know, he just disrupts everything. And I think he's going to be a first round draft pick at some point. Carter Young, he, he's another one that's probably going to be a first-round draft pick, you know, in his career. Parker Nolan is a guy that mm-hmm. that kid can hit it. I mean, that right. that one to dead center today was, you know, that's that's a major league bomb. Um, and, and they just, you know, besides Bradfield, everybody on in their lineup can go yard at any moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what kind of separates them from everybody else in the country is they have that ability. And then they also have two of the best pitchers in college baseball. It probably doesn't help. Probably doesn't hurt either. <laughs> right. I mean, that, yeah, you're, that's what the thing too, is you're, you're staring down to start that series Friday and Saturday night. And you're knowing, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to win those games, um, you're going to have to really, really try to disrupt early on. Uh, Cause mm-hmm. if you let, you know, rocker and lighter get in grooves and rocker certainly did um, that's just even more of an uphill battle to climb uh, for Tennessee uh, Saturday night, though, you you were able to, you know, Lighter played well, but you were at least able to get him off the mound, um, which was a positive and, and eventually led to Tennessee getting out in front. Yeah, I think it's kind of weird that they pitched Lighter on Saturday because, you know, you, you see Rocker and he's like, like he's a legit defensive lineman that can throw 98 <laughs> miles an hour. Um, so, I mean, like he's, it's, it's coming 97, 98, but he's releasing from like the grass. So it's on you at like 104 is probably what it feels like in the box. Um, so, and then you go like six, six rocker, six, five, and then you go lighter. Who's like six, one, six, two. Um, so, I mean, it, it's a huge difference, just like a, that intimidation factor. So I think Tennessee was just excited to see somebody else on the mound besides rocker. And, uh, you know, they made the most of some of his misses, especially Evan Russell. 
But yeah, I mean, Rocker shoved it, and he had an off game against Georgia. You know, a guy that good, you're not going to get two off days in a row or two off um, starts in a row from him. So you know, I think Tennessee barreled up some baseballs on on Friday night, but they were just hit right to somebody. They had some yeah, that, and you you mentioned that you you know I think you know people were kind of getting down on it, and it was like Tennessee they hit a couple good balls that just didn't have enough. Back to the warning track, just barely, you know. Close, coming off, you know, not quite the sweet spot. So, I mean, to it wasn't like Tennessee was just going down swinging the whole time, you know. Um, ground, I mean, they had a couple chances that just weren't quite enough. Um, like, the people are like, you think the moment's too big for them on Friday night for the first loss of the series to one of the best teams, if not the best team in the country? I'm like, no, I thought they they played in the game. I mean, they were there. It wasn't – it what they didn't get slaughtered on Friday night. Yeah, I mean, Kamar Rocker had eight strikeouts. He's averaging over 10 a game. Um, right. So, I mean, that, that's something you can hang your hat on. And, and then Chad Dallas, he pitched good enough to win. He had seven strikeouts in seven innings, and Rocker had eight in, through seven. Um, so, the difference was, you know, they were able to get some over the fence, and Tennessee was a couple of feet from doing that as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're a couple of feet from a, a totally different ball game on Friday night and, and just weren't able to – you know, get it done. Maybe they they spend some more time in in the weight room this week, and you know, get some of that, get some curls in, and and get some of that power, and you know, because morning track power, you know, that's a, that's an insult. So you you know you don't like that, and you know, maybe somebody said that to Evan Russell, and he took it to heart on on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, he put one in the freaking parking lot, so he definitely took took something to heart. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I, I want to talk about that a little bit, Evan Russell. I mean, three home runs. Um, on Saturday, one today, and you know the the kids a walk on, and he didn't even start. They started Kyle Booker instead of him on Friday, and uh, you know they they put him in. I think that his maybe the third time around the lineup that they put Evan Russell back in, and uh, you know he made the most of it. He hit one on Friday night. That was to, he was one of those guys that hit one to the warning track and was right. caught. Um, so yeah, just m- making the most of his opportunities. Tennessee, you know, continues to be scrappy. And, you know, if they if you give them a little breathing room, you know, like they did on uh, Saturday when they walked three straight batters to load the bases, and, and then you have a guy that's already hit two home runs in the game. Yeah. I mean – Yeah, he's seeing the ball at that point. Like, in, in his press conference after the game, Evan Russell was like, you know, I thought they were going to – if they would have got Pavoloni out, which Pavoloni took one off the hand, um, you know, that, that kind of sucks to, to see him out. But uh, it looks like it's not going to be that bad. It looks like he's day-to-day. As of now, um, but yeah, Evan Russell just—he was like, I thought they were going to walk me, and then they load the bases. They didn't have anywhere to put me, so they had to pitch to me, and yeah. <laughs> he made them pay for it. Well, yeah, and that's another thing too that Tennessee's just done really well. And we we've kind of alluded to it, and it showed this week against a team like Vanderbilt, who who's has a phenomenal bullpen. Like that's definitely not lack of pitching. Um, those guys can throw strikes. Tennessee's ability to get on base, whether it be walking or just grinding it out, like that. Obviously, still got to work on getting some guys home. You saw that today, but their their ability to get on base has been great this year, and it showed against the it showed against this Vanderbilt team. Yeah, and, and today you come up short, but uh, you know you like you said you had some opportunities. You had the bases loaded. They score the first run of the game, and, and then you come right back and and hit two back to back home Dude, runs. I, and yeah, that's another thing that pissed me off about Bob Kessling, Tennessee guy. I mean, both of those home runs uh, were freaking electric both no doubters i mean like not even close and it's just like and they hit a home run and then they hit a back-to-back one and it's just like and they hit another home run no they just hit two bombs off him yeah right in a row no doubters 
these weren't just back to the wall. One was on the top of the freaking scoreboard. It's like, can we get a little bit more energy about this? Yeah. The Vol hey. creatures are about to tear down the freaking foul ball net, and Bob Kessler's up there ready to take a nap. <laughs> yeah, where's John Wilkerson? Let's get him on it. His 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 dude, his grand slam call was phenomenal. It's awesome. Phenomenal. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you're up two to one and you have the bases loaded, and then Jake Rucker smokes one up the middle, and the pitcher just kind of flinches his glove and oh, it God. goes right to him. I mean, that's that's two runs right there that you know right. you're you're gonna be leading the game at that point and you know just didn't go Tennessee's way. A, a lot a lot of ground balls didn't, a lot of you know, barreled up baseballs didn't. Poor Drew Gilbert. I mean, he's like 0 for 25 his, his last at bats, but you know, he he made some he had some long at bats and uh you know he barreled some up, but you know, he smoked one to right field, I think, Friday night, and it was the the right fielder didn't even move. <laughs> like he just had his glove up and just Yeah. You meant and you mentioned how Tennessee like that um, the one with the the right, when we're right back to the pitcher almost took his head, it, it almost took his head off. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean that on the reverse side of that Vanderbilt had a lot of really good hits that were a couple inches away from being really good defensive plays. I, I the only one the first one that pops ahead is Liam Spence makes a great diving play to his right and the ball just barely pops out of the glove. He would have had he would have had a slim chance. It would have been a tough throw, but it had it would have had a chance to get the guy out at first, mm-hmm. um, and then just pops out of his glove and then. Uh, I mean, even on a couple, you know, uh, tags that were close um, that Tennessee just – Vanderbilt just made good plays and Tennessee was just a little off, a little short, whatever it was that time. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely a lot of close plays. I, I think it just showed – this this series definitely showed that Vanderbilt has a better team. But it also showed that Tennessee can play with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tennessee had four errors in, in the series. They had three on Friday night that, that were huge errors. They had one on Saturday that, you know, the, the inning is over. Yeah, and and then you know they they put another runner on and they hit a three run home run with with two outs. Um, so I mean that that was huge in that game. Um, you know if Tennessee would have lost that game, I mean that would that would probably been the reasoning behind it. Yeah, and so you know Tennessee didn't play a clean series by any means, and so for them to continue to compete with a team like Vanderbilt, who I think is the best team in the country. I mean, you know I know Arkansas is ranked number one, but until you know, we play Arkansas later on down the road, mm-hmm. and maybe I'll change my mind. But you know, looking at that Vanderbilt lineup and you know the their pitching rotation, I just think it'd be tough to uh, to beat them, and especially in a in a series. You know, maybe you get right. one game from them, but uh, in, in a three game series, I think they're going to be tough to beat. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So I'm going to kind of like throw this. I, I think it's probably a difficult question because I'm going to make you pick one single thing. Okay. I mean, there's obviously a lot of things Tennessee can fix, and I hate to look ahead. I mean, like, not only are we looking ahead from AM, we're also looking ahead from every other um, – and Tennessee Tech and every other SEC team. If Tennessee had – you know, Tennessee playing Vanderbilt, SEC tournament, whatever their next chance would be to play them, playing Vanderbilt, what is one thing, the biggest thing, needs to be fixed for Tennessee to win? I mean, you saw them win on Saturday, which is good. So, what was the – was it just hitting? Um, what – what does Tennessee need to fix? We talked about them being just two, two, twice, three times uh, in the series where you had two outs and Vanderbilt was able to score several runs. So what, what is it? The one thing, one <laughs> that Tennessee needs to do to be better, at least on, you know, a night than Vanderbilt. I'm, I'm going to say you can't have, I think you have to play a clean baseball game. I don't think you can have the errors. Tennessee did. They had three on Friday night, you know, 
one I think was with two outs, you're out of that inning. And, uh, you know, one is hit back to the shortstop and it hits right off his foot, goes into to right field, and they score two runs out of it. So, you know, that, that was just kind of – and then I think another one they tried to throw Bradfield out at third and it gets by him. He scores. Um, I think that was on Saturday. Um, maybe No, that was on Friday night too. So, yeah, just, just errors for me. And I, I think a lot of that comes with getting healthy. Um, Connor Pavoloni, you know, you, you want to have him back. He seems right. like he's he's hitting the ball a lot better. You know, he hit one uh, yesterday as well to kind of get Tennessee going. And uh, and also Liam Spence. He, he went back at shortstop today, but it has been Logan Steenstra who, you know, Steenstra's been hitting the ball well, but he's, you know, been kind of error prone. Um, mm. So you want to have that for sure shortstop in the middle like Liam Spence. And I think that kind of – sharpens things up a little bit yeah I agree and, and you know hopefully Tennessee can kind of get back to a cleaner game um you know not that AM's and is an SEC baseball team but they're not the program that Vanderbilt is or um even Florida is like you're gonna you have another chance to go in and and be a be the better team straight up uh and go go beat so hopefully kind of just get back in the groove, good rebound series uh I hate to skip Tennessee Tech on you guys but it's a midweek game you're not even really going to play your true lineup um, so sorry for skipping them. Hope, hopefully I didn't offend any Golden Eagles here that are listening. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to Tennessee t- – or A&M, excuse me, as far as getting back into that groove. Obviously, you never want to drop a series. So go get another series win. Um, you're 10-5 and five now in SEC play. Uh, so that's just one game back from, from Vanderbilt uh, where you did tie it up with them after their loss to Georgia. Um, so nothing – you know, you're not off – you're not off the pay. You're not off pace yet. So it's no big deal. Get back on it. Um, yeah, and, and obviously, you know, the, the coming up schedule isn't is it easy by any means because when you're playing the SEC, no series is easy. But, you know, you're, you're not going against, you know, Texas A&M, I think they're four series. They play four of the – or they play, yeah, four of the top six teams in the country. They played Arkansas this week. They play Tennessee next week. And I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss is their next four series. So I think you got a little bit of um, kind of breathing room a little bit. Um, but got to take advantage of those um, series that you should win. And right. I, I do want to mention a guy like um, Will Heflin. I mean, he's surprised the heck out of me on Saturday because when you're facing a guy like Lauder, you know, you, you want to be able to keep them off the board as well. And, you know, after losing that game on Friday, you know, Saturday's a must win. Right. You, know, you, you don't want to look at it that way going into it, but, you know, it it is. And, you know, Will Heflin, I think Tennessee's lost two Friday night games, and Will Heflin has come back and, and won both of those games. I don't think he ended up getting the win. Um, I think Sean Huntley actually got the win. But him going seven innings strong when, you know, in previous games, it's kind of like get us through four or five and we'll go to the bullpen. Um, yeah. He went seven strong, only giving up one earned run, uh, four strikeouts. Jack Lauder went – he had three earned runs. So, I'm not saying Will Heflin's better than Jack Lauder, but – But – but, but, but I mean, uh, heck, heck of a job from him. Um, right. I just, I just kind of want to mention him a little bit too. No, yeah, he definitely played great. Let's uh, let's jump into the the fan side of this because I, I again I've got my rant, but also Tony Vitello mentioned just another great weekend of Rocky Top showing showing what this fan base has, and I think what and he's stated it. It's important to know that this fan base has always been this fan base. Like nothing, fall n- baseball is just bringing it alive. Like mm-hmm. that, like bringing because you see it in basketball with with the recent success in two thousand. I mean, you've had players that have played in some phenomenal stadiums 
um, back, you know, in 2015 and 2016 that are like Neyland Stadium is the loudest stadium I've ever played in. So yep. it's not like this isn't new. Like this isn't, yeah, the vault baseball angle of it is new because you you haven't put a product since 2005 worthy of cheering for out there. Like that, it's just not like, I, sure, has is the stadium been undervalued all the time in terms of like what the athletic department's put into it? Yes. But it's at the same time, it's like, they haven't had a reason to yet. Now I know like you got what, what comes first chicken or egg. Like I know some of that needs to, if you want to go out and recruit, you should have had the facilities before. If you wanted to get a quality coach, should have had the facilities before. Like you kind of got lucky getting Vitello before all that, but you have them now. You need to be investing in that stuff. The fans will show up. If you put a put, put a good product on the field, Bruce Pearl is a great example of that at Tennessee. When he start, when he arrived, he mm-hmm. did it very similar to Vitello. Vitello is not out there, you know, standing on the cafeteria tables or anything, but kind of the same thing. Like, Hey, this team has talent. This team has attitude. We want you all. We won't be, we won't be anything without you all. So we need you to show up kind of deal. And they're showing up like the fans are showing up at Lindsey Nelson. It's a great atmosphere. It's going to be one of the, in this year in the SEC, because I mean, you, how many schools are going like Mississippi State and Ole Miss? Is it just those two schools? I don't think I've seen another full stadium. Yeah. I don't – it's not Vanderbilt. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Vanderbilt. And Tennessee was damn near full this weekend. Um, they might have fudged those percentages a little bit. They were like, leave one empty seat between everybody and we'll call it good. Yeah, I'm not mad about it. <laughs> no, no, not mad at all. It's just like, <laughs> like you know, the, the people are showing up. And it's just hilarious to, to see all the – the people um, from other SEC fan bases, from Vanderbilt, like Tennessee's bandwagon. Okay, first off, nobody's going to be on a – nobody's going to get on a Tennessee bandwagon. That doesn't even make sense. That's an oxymoron because <laughs> Tennessee hasn't won anything significant lately. No one bandwagon bandwagons losing teams. Tennessee baseball, listen, big Tennessee baseball fan, big direction. Like I love the direction Tony Vitello has taken the program, but they haven't won anything significant yet. And yep. you've already got the environment in Lindsey Nelson. That's not bandwagon fans. That's fans. And and even at limited capacity, that's I've been going to games since Chris Burke was at Tennessee, um, and now he's with ESPN. You know, I, I've been going to games for a long time. I've never seen that many people in the stadium. And that's not saying like you know we were over capacity. We're still at technically limited capacity, but you've never had a game of that significance and, you know, a good product on the field where people want to come in and, and, and pack a stadium like that. Right. I'm sure they turned away a lot of people yesterday. Chris Burke, I actually listened to him on a podcast, the 11.7 podcast mm-hmm. uh, this week. Phenomenal stuff. I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, but also, he was there before the College World Series run. Yeah. It's so like even then, but like this, so this fan base is coming alive and it has nothing to do with bandwagon. Like that's not it. Again, I think it helps having Tony Vitello's attitude. Like, even if Tony Vitello did was doing a great job like this and he didn't have that kind of swagger, it would be, I think, harder to at least get the the type of – like, are people showing up in the stadium? Maybe. Are mm-hmm. they getting rowdy like they are? Probably not. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot of this is just kind of it's, – it's like college baseball as a whole has grown yeah. significantly significantly in the past couple of years just with exposure you have people actually covering it nowadays um and, and i think the product is a lot better because you're having guys you know it, it's kind of been that like you know real good 
players are going to go to the draft. Well, that's not true anymore. Guys right. aren't going to go straight out of high school to the pros like, like they have in the past. You know, they want to come to a Vanderbilt, a Tennessee, a Florida, you know, teams like that to get ready for the major leagues. They can come in and develop for three years and then go to the, the major leagues and not get lost in the fold um, like right. some of those guys out of high school. So I think it's becoming a lot better product on the field. And, you know, that's what got people's attention, I guess. You know, it's becoming more of a common thing. It's on TV and stuff like that now. Yeah. Um, and now Tennessee has a really good team, and that just, you know, ignites that that flame. Yeah, it's definitely that perfect storm. And then, as always, we've done it every every episode we've talked about Tennessee baseball. Shout out to the legends of Lindsey Nelson. They've also been a big part of, like, that growing – the growing culture there right now. They're bringing a lot to the table that uh, – I mean, it, in, in any college sport, if you want it to be a great atmosphere, the the students have to come. Like that that that's yeah. part of it. Um, it's never going to happen with just the parents of the players there and then some fans from town. Like, could it be a good atmosphere with them? Sure, but it's never going to be the best atmosphere. You need that that chirping. You need the uh, the shirts off and and waving. And uh, like that that's what you need for that kind of environment to be to be there. And so so the students showing up are a big part. And the students are showing up. I mean, they pretty much what dedicated the entire first baseline to the students now. They're a little bit late getting there on Saturday. I think that uh th- they got a little little tired on Friday night and you know we're <laughs> we're a little bit uh they had to keep drinking. You know, yeah. I, I don't know if they like I don't know if they they stopped drinking for a little bit and they're kind of slow to get up and and things like that, but um yeah, I mean that that was the greatest moment I think in Tennessee athletics you know I we tweeted out for more important issues today what was what do you think um was the greatest moment since then and a lot of people said the the hell Mary against Georgia that was the 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 top answer that it's got it's got to be close I mean hell Mary happened in 15 Mm -hmm. I mean you could maybe argue no 16 sorry 16 um yeah there's nothing since then I mean Tennessee's not won anything since the hell Mary right yeah, no. <laughs> and, I mean, okay, and that's, okay, that's okay, another okay. reason. I'll take that's that enough. back. There's been some big basketball moments. Yeah. Kentucky, uh, Lamonte, Kentucky, three-pointer in 19, 18, 19. Yeah. Um, SEC tournament. That that one's obviously big. Um, yeah, so there's been a handful of big basketball moments. But, yeah, no, not a – unfortunately, not a ton to cheer for. Right. And a guy like, you know, Evan Russell just like – Doing something that no player has ever done at, at Tennessee, and and that's hit three home runs in two different games in a season, right? Or ever, you know, any, any no player has ever done that before. So I think that's really cool. And I'm not sure on the oldest guy, but three of the four have been from the state of Tennessee. Three of the four, and wait, wait, say that, that, that have right. hit three home runs in a, oh, okay. in a okay. game. So Cody Hahn, Todd Helton. Um, and then, you know, Evan Russell, I'm not sure about, there's another guy too, that I didn't, it wasn't re- like very recent. So I don't know if he is or not, but. Okay. okay. So, Hey, that, that's the formula. Go get the in-state guys. Yeah. Go Lock get them the down. Guys. Tennessee's big baseball. Like I think we talked about that. Knoxville's kind of under the radar too, as far as a baseball town. But I mean, you talked about some of the guys coming out. I mean, um, Parker Nolan at Vanderbilt right now, very good product. It's a great example. Yeah. How do you not. If you're a national, like if you're with the NCAA, how do you not see that atmosphere this weekend and just be like, okay, they have to have a regional? (laughs) 
I mean, I, you say that, and I agree with you, but you're also that means you're banking on the NCAA making a like good decision. So sure, that's, that's true. pretty pretty bold of you to you to do. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, overall, you know, you, you hate that you don't get the win, but man, it was it was a lot of fun to be a part of. You know, that atmosphere. Even on Friday, you know, you lost, but still, like it was. Yeah. You know, Tony Vitello mentioned it after Saturday. He was like, you know, you know, we've had some some loud crowds at times, but he was like. You felt it, right? In right. in those two Friday and Saturday, I wasn't there today, so I'm I'm sure it was the exact same way, especially with the rubber match um, today. So, you know, prop, props to the fan base. I, I think they're the best in the world. I might be a little biased, but you know, I'm going <laughs> to go with that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, excellent fans. Hopefully, we can get back to that Neyland Stadium. Are you ready to talk some some football? Yeah, let's let's get him in here. Excellent, let's do it. We've got uh, Eric Kane on. He's from uh, producer at WNML and now the host of uh, Locked On Vols. Eric, how are you doing tonight, man? Hey guys, doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, thanks Absolutely. for joining us. We always appreciate it. Absolutely, Eric. I, former teammate. I want to I want to share a story with you. I don't know if you know this or not, <laughs> but you are actually the second guy I met on campus my freshman okay. year. So How's that? so I moved there in July. And I lived with with Andy Hibbett for that okay. summer. So uh, so Andy is like, the first day I met him, he was like, "Hey man, I'm I'm gonna go drive around campus. You want to come?" I was like, "Yeah, sure. I, I have literally nothing else to do." So yeah, <laughs> so we go to this this kind of it was it was a little rough looking house. It was kind of like a house you see in the fort, and uh, it was yellow. And he's like, "Yeah, this is the yellow house." I was like, "Okay, who lives here?" Like, I was like, "What are we about to get into?" <laughs> and we walk in, and uh, there's Eric Kane sitting on the couch, and he was the second guy I'm, I met on campus. So I, I thought that was—I don't know if you knew that or not, but yeah, you're actually the second guy I met. Well, as you know, there's a lot of things that went down in that house. So uh, <laughs> me remembering that story, don't remember it, but uh, I can. I can vouch, man, for a brand new freshman coming in that summer to creep up on that that house, and uh, it's a little intimidating, I'm sure. So that's a good story, though, man, for sure. <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's let's get into it. Let's let's talk some some Tennessee football. Eric, you get to see practice. Um, you don't get to see a lot of it, but but the stuff you do see, you know, what what's kind of standing out to you? Just the the overall kind of feeling around this program right now. Well, yeah, we go uh, a couple times a week and you know see just a couple periods uh, of practice. And I mean, you guys know this by now. We say it enough. You know, we see the we see the same things that we see every single practice, like periods like two through four, which is an individual period. They do the same drills. Uh, they're the same part of the field the, the the entire time. So we don't get to see a whole lot. But um, it, it looks like the the team is kind of buying into coaching. I mean, they're running around everywhere. They are. Uh, the the tempo and practice, not talking about the offense, but just the tempo and the um, you know how you're going about getting work done is at an accelerated level. Um, the coaches are very animated, always are, uh, trying to get the most out of the players. But uh, it's been fun to see so far. Um, you know, it, it's interesting to see some of the players, um, you know, who are growing and you know getting better. You know, over the couple of years, uh, the the story, one of the stories of, of spring practice so far has been kind of an offensive lineman that was a former walk-on turn scholarship player in Dane Davis. Um, I was at practice a couple of weeks ago and I saw him for the first time. I'm like, who is this guy? Because we we weren't at practice last year at all. And then I look at my roster and I see this name. I'm like, who is this guy? And I learn more about him and and seeing him get better and better just over the couple of practices that I've been and seeing that open that open uh, practice on in Neyland a couple of weeks ago. So just stuff like that. And, of course, you know, the quarterbacks, seeing which ones are – 
repping with the ones on days where we're there, which ones are having a good day, throwing the football. And it's hard to see an awful lot when you're there, but just little things like that's kind of fun to fun to jot down and talk about. Well, you knew, too, that we were going to ask you about quarterbacks, and we know you don't <laughs> see enough. But uh, I was going to actually try to stay away from it, but I saw a quote today from Josh Heupel, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask. I have to. He said, and I guess probably means the whole quarterback room because – I'd say it's pretty hard to gauge just one quarterback, not seeing a ton from Brian Maurer last year or Harrison Bailey, um, and then having a couple of new quarterbacks on campus. But he said they're light years ahead of where they were at when they came here. With what you've seen, like at least individual periods, you're getting to see them throw the ball around a little bit. Maybe, I mean, could you say that? Could you agree with that? Or are you like, maybe he's just, <laughs> maybe he's just talking them up? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't agree with that because, again, I, I don't see enough. Um, right. He sees, obviously, everything, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and talks with these guys. So from what I see when I'm at practice, I wouldn't go that far. From what I saw at the open practice last weekend, I wouldn't say that as well. I don't know if you guys are there or not. Um, uh, to be completely honest, I I wasn't – I didn't walk away impressed with any quarterback that day. Um, mm -hmm. Thought Harrison Bailey was literally just a guy there. Thought Hendon Hooker was very anticlimactic. Um, thought Brian Maurer – made some plays and then made some plays for the defense as well. And so um, I didn't think that open practice uh, was, was a good showing for all those guys, but uh, nonetheless, um, you know, seeing them go through some of the mesh point drills with the running back, seeing them go through uh, some of the pocket awareness drills by themselves and making the right decision. I saw them uh, you know, throwing routes on air with wide receivers the other day, but uh, the wide receiver was reading, you know, a, a GA or a coach and, and, and making a read off that on the, you know, deciphering which route to run and, just seeing the quarterbacks and the receivers on the same page doing a simple dribble like that, I think shows me that they have grown and stuff in this offense. And it does help when you have guys like Bayless Jones Jr. and Jimmy Callaway and uh, you know, even Anderson Kobe, a newcomer, that have kind of latched onto this offense and doing really, really well, kind of helping the quarterbacks out as well. So I would uh I would very much imagine that these quarterbacks are well on their way and kind of growing in this offense. The more you do it, the more you rep it because None of these guys, you know, had this offense before. None of these guys knew any of these coaches before. And just the more and more and more you learn and spend time together, then the more uh, the pressure kind of takes off. You feel more comfortable, and then your true ability can start to shine. And, I mean, all three of these quarterbacks have a lot of ability. And so mm -hmm. I think it's just a matter of knowing more and more, getting that confidence, and then letting that ability shine. So with that, you know, not not really seeing a lot of it, not really being impressed. If you know, you, you had a gun to your head, and somebody's like, "Predict who the quarterback is going to be next year." Who would who would you roll with? Not not saying maybe who Josh Heupel would roll with, but who would you roll with? I'd probably roll with Hendon Hooker. Uh, I okay. think that's been kind of a a consistent answer. Um, he's got a strong arm. I've seen it. Um, he he can make the deep throws. I've seen it in practice. Um, he's got a good release. Um, he's experienced. He's played a whole lot of football. I think the guys like him around there. So I, I think that's a safe and an easy answer. And and sometimes that is the correct answer. Uh, I think Brian Maurer has the most ability of anybody on the roster. Uh, but I think that could be the case the last couple of seasons. It's just, you know, with Maurer, it's can you consistently make the right decision? Can you consistently protect the football? And uh, can you deal with all the pre-snap adjustments you got to do? Because you go line up, you got to read the coverages, you got to send guys in motion and all that stuff. Can you do can you deal with everything, you know, before the whistle as well? And so and, and you know, the more you get reps, the more and better you get at over over time. And so maybe Ron Maurer can, but um, you know, with the inconsistencies of Ron Maurer, even in spring that I've seen, I, I wouldn't be confident to to roll him out there as just starting quarterback. And so, you know, if I had gun to my head, I would probably say Hendon Hooker because he's been there, done that, and I yeah. think he's very capable of running this offense. But 
Um, if history is any indicator here at Tennessee, I think that you're going to have multiple quarterbacks at some point during the season. But oh God, hopefully, that's you know. I to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and again, uh, Caden Salter's not practiced yet. He will. I mean, I, I, I anticipate those guys being welcomed back on the team at some point. Um, and I don't think he'll be a starter, you know, but especially not early on. But, you know, get Caden Salter in there on the ropes and let him learn and let him soak up the knowledge and, you know, maybe – you know, weeks and weeks and weeks down the road, you can see a little bit of Caden Salter. It was really not beneficial for him to obviously have the incident that he had, but uh, just not being able to get out there and learn and kind of get a feel of the game speed because, as we know at Landon, it's completely different from high school to college. Absolutely. And just, you know, being an early enrollee and then you have that happen, like you, you might have should have just stayed in high school, <laughs> like when you when you really look at it. Yeah, it, it was not a great start to your collegiate career for sure, without a doubt. Because the cards are already stacked against you, and now they're really stacked against you. Mm -hmm. uh, so I do want to – another question kind of about quarterback, I mean about the offense. Um, so obviously looking at Josh Heupel's offense, everyone's expecting high-powered, high-scoring. Uh, this is great – and you want to look – we talked about this. We're like – I mean, it looks like the talent is on uh, on this roster as far as offensively goes. But at the same time, they haven't done it. I mean, which probably a product of their environment last year, the way that offense was ran. We we know Josh Heupel can can I guess call. We we know he can call the offense. He's done it at UCF against. I mean, against better opponents sometimes, sometimes against worse. But can does Tennessee have that the the firepower to to follow up with it? Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be like a flip of the switch. Tennessee's going to go mm -hmm. from scoring whatever it was last year, 21 points a game, it was bad, to, you know, 35 points a game. Right. But I certainly do think Tennessee's offense is going to be better because it's hard to be worse, if I'm being completely frank. And and I agree with what you say, Caleb. A lot of that had to do with the philosophy and how Jeremy Pruitt – Jeremy Pruitt was not calling offensive plays. Right. But Jeremy Pruitt's your head football coach, and what he says he wants is what you've got to essentially do in terms of – how you're going to go about calling yeah. a game. And so I think that played a big uh, big role in it. So I think Tennessee's D, uh, offense is going to be better. I mean, you've got uh, ample wide receivers now. I feel like the coaching staff really is encouraged. And I asked Josh Heupel the other day, um, or really Saturday, yesterday, about uh, are you more encouraged by the wide receiver position, you know, coming into spring uh, compared to where you were? Because you've got guys like Jimmy Callaway who have stepped up. Uh, you have, of course, you have Bayless and you have uh, Jalen Hyatt who you feel good about. I think Cedric Tillman's had a good run. I think Anderson Kobe's another guy that's stepping up. Um, you've got all these wide receivers that you feel really, really good about that are athletic and can make things happen. Jabari Small is a guy that no one can shut up about, about how he's adapting to the coaching and to this offense. Of course, Tyon Evans has been beat up a little bit as well. Uh, and then you have options on the offensive line too, uh, even veterans that have played a lot of football uh, that are you know kind of coming back right now uh, along with Cade Mays. And so I think this offense is going to be better for sure in 2021. Um, I don't think it'll be a, a finished project, but uh, when you compare it to the defense, you've got some athletes, you've got some experience, and uh, you've got uh, a lot of good coaching to whereas I think it'll click a little bit faster than what we're going to see defensively uh, this, this time next year. But good thing about football nowadays, I mean, you know, defense is just, you know, make a big stop at a big time, create some turnovers, and uh, kind of help your offense out, and you'll be okay. So who are some guys that maybe, like, look the part? Like, if you remember Morvin Joseph, his picture in high school, like, he looks like a D1 athlete. Um, yeah. You know, Caleb used to be a coach at, at South Dole. My dad is currently a coach at South Dole. And, you know, we used to see Elijah Young, um, who's now a running back at Missouri. And you're like, okay, that dude looks like a D1 athlete. Like, like who are some guys that practice that maybe just look the part? 
Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll mention a couple of guys I've probably already mentioned already. Um, I talked about Dane Davis. Man, six foot seven, three thirty five. He looks like an SEC offensive lineman for sure. Um, I think Bryson Eason. He has put on a lot of muscle. He's put on a lot of good weight. Um, he is thick now, and so I think he is a guy that looks the part. Uh, Morvin Joseph is a guy you've already mentioned. Um, I, I, yeah, I think he's gotten stronger in the year that he's been here on campus. Uh, Roman Harrison, who is not in pads right now, is not out there working, at least when we're out there. Um, he is, you know, he looks like an SEC linebacker, and hopefully you think that he can start adapting and playing like an SEC linebacker because Tennessee will need some linebackers come spring. Um, you know, guys like that, uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, he, he's huge. Um, he's every bit of six foot four. Um, he's got, you know, thick legs and, you know, he's got just an athlete's body, stuff like that. Um, trying to think of a couple more. What's the Byron Young situation? I feel like he first started drawing attention because is he that, is he that body type or is he, uh, is it just his play that's, that's grabbed, uh, I would say in the light. Yeah, I would say it's more of his play. Um, I haven't been right up next to him. I remember one of the first practices I went, I even made a note of it. I was like, Byron Young looks so small, but (laughs) Uh, he's quick, he's athletic, um, he's got bend. Not only are the defensive coaches talking about him, but the offensive linemen, the offensive coaches are mm-hmm. talking about him. And so Byron Young has been kind of a, a player of the spring if you want to give out a guy like uh, – if you want to give out a award like that. So um, I haven't been up close right next to him to say he looks the part, but from everything I've heard and from the little I saw at that practice on a couple Saturdays ago, uh, he's a guy that everyone is talking about for sure. I feel like Elijah Simmons probably – uh, you know, he makes a lot of people look small. <laughs> Elijah Simmons, another guy that everyone keeps talking about. Josh Heupel talked about him yesterday. You had the Mays brothers and, and Jerome Carvin talking about how he is the one that's the toughest to block so far in the spring. And you know, Elijah Simmons, a guy that's gotten a little run under the Jeremy Pruitt regime. He's played a little bit, but never a whole lot. He's always had a work in progress of trying to get his body the way he wants it to be. But super athletic, super strong, and apparently having a really nice spring. And so – just another defensive lineman. Man, that whole defensive line group, I feel like that entire group that was here in 2018 is still here. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's right. there's so <laughs> many options for him, and Elijah Simmons is gonna be another one. What's the uh so I, what's the there's so much that would I mean last year was just a weird year, right? With Jeremy Pruitt, like no one expected the culture shift that happened it was yeah. just such a i thought you were going to go into the mcdonald's bags i was oh, like yeah, no that. one was expecting that <laughs> <laughs> uh but i mean like, i think everyone felt I, I don't remember seeing any red flags about the about you know the way it, the way the program was operating uh, i think everyone felt good about it from a culture standpoint um like i don't think people would have guessed that turn yeah um you know the players love jeremy pruitt love right. playing for him he was a player's coach Uh, personally for me, and it might not be the same for you guys, and that's completely fine, but, you know, the way he handled certain situations, I didn't really like. The whole, the way he handled Bryce Thompson's situation a couple years ago, I didn't really like. It felt uneasy. The way he handled some other players' situations about letting them come back and practice before maybe some legal terms played out, uh, it didn't really, uh, it didn't really bode well with me, but nonetheless, I mean, I I like Jeremy Pruitt, honestly. I, I, uh, I never had an issue with him. I think that, uh, he's a smart football coach. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that it was a little bit much for him in terms of being a head coach in the SEC and and trying to stick to the things that uh, that has brought him success in the past and not realizing kind of how the game has changed a little bit. And so I think that kind of got him in trouble with some. But in terms of the recruiting violations and everything that ultimately got him out, 
Uh, yeah, because I mean, without that, I mean, he was still going to be the coach here. Uh, three and right. seven is unacceptable, but he was still going to be the coach here for year four. Um, it would just kind of snowball from there. It's like the administration, the investigation found one thing, found another, found another, and then just kept digging. And um, only at Tennessee, right? Only at Tennessee oh, yeah. would you have an administration just completely go, you know, beside itself to try to try to find this out, and um, and then ultimately not being able to turn back. And so just a whole weird situation. But in terms of culture and everything, you know, we're talking with the players, the staff, the support staff. No, I mean, I wouldn't expect anything. Everyone really enjoyed Jeremy Pruitt's. Everyone really enjoyed um, how he came to bat for his players and how he set up his program. It just uh, obviously didn't work out. Um, I also think that Pruitt overvalued some of his coaches coaches in terms of recruiting. Um, there were some coaches on his staff that were not the best at coaching their certain position, but were elevated to that spot simply to – you know, be a, be a recruiter and uh, you can't, I mean, recruiting is very important. We all know that, but you right. got to be able to develop these guys in, in terms of being football players. Well, yeah. that's, well, I'm sorry. I, I, that was kind of my, my question was going to be like, how, how is the, cause the culture on social media, which is easy to kind of paint that picture from the inside of Tennessee, the culture right now looks great. And I mean, you guys know it, you've been a part of football programs where it's, if, if it's not happening in the locker room, there's no chance it happens on the field. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people, myself included would have guessed a lot of the downfall of last year was like something had to be going on in the locker room um, as far as how the losses were tumbling, um, particularly starting with Kentucky. That just looked like you fell apart because you weren't mentally tough um, kind of deal. So culture's hopefully strong then if, you know, looks like, you know, from, from your view. So is, is the culture seem good right now? I mean, it looks like they all enjoy Heupel and his staff and what they're bringing to the table. You know, I think this is the first wave. Um, it, it's something new. It's something right. exciting, especially for some of these offensive guys. And uh, that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Um, I, I would see everything that I've seen on social media looks great. Everything I've witnessed with my two eyes at practice, you know, everything. There's no been there hadn't been any red flags or anything. But it's interesting. I was chatting with VFL Ramon Foster, of course. You know, Tennessee Pittsburgh Steelers now radio host in Nashville. And I asked him. I said, Hey, how long does it take to establish culture? you know, in a college football program. And he said, it takes a long time. Um, you know, these freshmen and sophomores have to turn into be juniors and seniors. So it's not one semester. It's not a year, according to Ramon Falter, but it's going to take a little while. And so, right. you know, that's okay. And so I don't know if we're going to have the answer to this until, you know, a couple of years down the road. But, um, you know, quotes from Bayless Jones Jr. saying that he's never had a coach he can just be as real with and, you know, conversate with and just connect with like Josh Heupel. I think the quarterbacks love Josh Heupel because he was a quarterback. Right. Uh, he's developed quarterbacks. He's been really good at it, too. Um, I think Glenn Ellerby's a guy that's, you know, had absolutely no um, you know prowess in terms of coming in saying, oh, they hired Glenn Ellerby. Who's that guy? But just – listening to him teach and um, instruct the offensive linemen and hearing what they are saying about him early on, it's all been good signs. Cody Burns, the guy that was in the SEC not too long ago, can connect. Jerry Mack is a guy that brings experience from so many different realms in terms of being a head coach, calling plays in a different system, now being a running backs coach in this system, wanting to be here. Um, I think the staff that he assembled has been really, really good. I think that he's got a lot of good coaches to help establish that culture, but mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if we'll have an answer to that until a couple right. of years down the road, but I think everything's looking good right now in terms of just, you know, good vibes, whatever you want to call it, you know, in the locker room and, and with the team for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned how Jeremy Pruitt probably overvalued some of those recruiters. Um, you know, I, I think a guy that was kind of underrated that, you know, you know, the, the defensive line was never 
the same once he left. And that was a guy like Tracy Rocker, who was in Knoxville this past weekend watching his son pitch. Um, you know, he wasn't that huge recruiter that you read about, but, you know, he seemed to get the most out of his guys. Um, and so I think I think it is important to have a good mix of recruiters and, you know, teachers and stuff like that. So I'm glad Tennessee kind of has – it seems like a good mix up to this point. So I, I do want to ask you about recruiting. You, you write for Rivals. Uh, you talk with some of these recruits. Um, what, who, who's your biggest recruit that Tennessee probably needs to land in this class to really kind of get it rolling in the right direction? Well, yeah, they need, uh, you know, they need to land, they need to work on in-state and you know, that's no, that's no surprise. And you've already missed out on a, a couple of in-state players. Of course, the way twins and Keaton and Destin elected to go to Kentucky, uh, they made that announcement on Friday. You know, if you would ask me this last week or really two weeks ago, I would say you got to start with the way twins and work yourself out um, because I think it's that important to kind of get the ball rolling with in-state kids. And so you miss out on a couple of in-state kids and, and, you know, the, the, signing day is not for a long time, so things can change. But, um, you know, Dallin Hayden's a guy running back. He's a ball legacy, you know, between Oregon, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Tennessee. Um, I think he would be a, a nice little get. Cameron Miller is also a guy out there from Memphis I think would be a good get. Uh, Geo Davis is an underrated defensive line prospect that Tennessee really, really likes from South Pittsburgh. I think you can uh, – you're in good position there. Of course, Tennessee already got Elijah Herring on Thursday and then Vincent Sneed – uh, on Friday. So going a long time without some commits and then you turn around and get two in the span of uh, 18 hours or so. So, um, you know, there's still a lot of talent here in states at a lot of positions. Um, of course, Isaiah Horton, you know, is another guy from the mid states and um, you've already lost, you've already lost a little bit from um, a couple guys who have liked to go to Georgia and Florida and, and elsewhere, but nonetheless, keep working in state because this in Caden Pope's another guy, this in-state class is really, really good. And they all play together. They all talk together. They play seven on seven together. They're in, they're in group messages together. So if you work in states and get a couple of these guys, then I think that will really, really help. But you know, Dallin Hayden's a guy that uh, is, is one of the leaders of that bunch. And so uh, he's already been here to Tennessee Tons of times he's going to wait and do an official visit with Tennessee uh, during the uh, during the season so we can see a game. But I think he signed up to go to Ohio State and Notre Dame already this summer when things open back up. But he would be a big get, in my opinion, for Tennessee to kind of get this – I don't want to say rolling because Tennessee will have more commits by the time he decides to uh, commit wherever he goes. But to really help this class, you know, get along. I don't, I don't know if this is going to be a – I don't think, at least right now, that this will be a top 15 class. I think that – uh, the coaching staff just got off to a too slow of a start. Man. Oh, oh no! I think so. That's unfortunate. Maybe we'll get him back in just a second. Oh, looks like we lost Caleb too. Um, find out. All right, well, uh, that was Eric Kane. Um, really, really good stuff having him on, talking about Tennessee a little bit in spring practice. Oh, we're back. Man, we got him back, yep. Awesome. Quick technical issues, but we're back. Cool. <laughs> Apologies. Hey, Nonetheless, I'll wrap, I'll wrap that up real quick. It's just like, yeah. we, we actually Dallas just kicked you off. We were we were done. <laughs> Dude, shut up, man. Like, that's, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Landon, Landon, I think that might have been Landon's fault. I, I got kicked out of it too, so I think I, don't, we can just, I, I didn't press any button. <laughs> I, think, I think we can just blame this on Landon and call it a day. That's true. That's true. <laughs> should. 
but we do have a question for you, Eric. I, I hate that you got cut off during during that um, recruiting. Your, your uh, you know, who we can get. But we had one from Chris here. He said, "So with what you've seen, this is back talking about spring practice, and it doesn't have to be just go with what you've seen, but what you know about you know twenty 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 one this schedule." You had to, you know, we're making predictions today. Um, your expectation for this year, uh, I know that's that's a tough thing because you, you haven't even seen all the guys on campus yet, but um, prediction for 2021, a range, I guess. Yeah, so, you know, that's that's always a fun topic to have. Um, <laughs> someone asked me for my bold prediction a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, yeah. and, you know, bold, you know, getting out there, make, you know, right. going out on a limb. I said eight wins because – and I don't – I don't think that's what's going to happen. Don't hear me wrong, but I do think that there's a path to get there. This schedule is so easy, so easy. This non-conference <laughs> schedule, you know, Pittsburgh's going to be a challenge, but this non-conference schedule is is super easy. Um, and so I think Tennessee six wins should be the floor, in my opinion, for this team. And I think six wins is very, very attainable because um, I think you can win all four of your non-conference games. I think you can definitely beat South Carolina. I think that you can beat Vanderbilt. You know, that's six wins right there. You mean you can't beat Kentucky on top of that? Uh, you can't beat uh, potentially a, a Missouri, who I think's improved. Right. Ole Miss is going to be tough. Um, you know, bottom line, I think six wins should be the floor, in my opinion, and uh, because the schedule really is so easy. So we'll have to see, and then obviously you want to build on that in, in terms of year two and year three. What would you say is probably the, the biggest game um, next season? Talking about, I, I like how you said that. It's an easy schedule. You aren't sugarcoating it because you know a lot of people are like, yeah, there's there's a couple there's some winnable games on this schedule. No, it's it's easy. <laughs> you you no. should win. Yeah, Butch Jones. If I, I believe Butch Jones set up this schedule, um, you know, one of the years or really right before he got ousted here in Knoxville, um, and so he wanted to make it easy and you know set himself up for some future success. And I get it. Uh, in terms of what I think might be the biggest game on the schedule, I do think that it would be. Uh, that's Ole Miss game. Um, it's going to be a home game. I think it's going to be a, a tremendous challenge. And I think it's a game that's, you know, you're going to be, you're not going to be favored in most likely because we all know what Ole Miss has in terms of coaching and on that offense and whatnot. But if you can keep up with them and if your defense can make, a, you know, a big stop or a turnover here and there because Ole Miss will turn the football over, I think that's going to be a good sign. Um, I think Ole Miss would be a huge game for Tennessee if they were to win that one. And then I think Missouri, it's going to be on the road, but. Missouri continues to get better and better. We all saw kind of the coming out party of you know, Connor Bazelak a little bit when he came in and took over that game in the second quarter against Tennessee last year. I think Missouri is is very well coached. Um, I don't think anybody really uh, thought that they would be this well coached by Eli Drinkwitz <laughs> right. at this point. So I would say those two games because I think Tennessee needs to win one of those two games in order to uh, really feel good about this year and potentially you know tack on another win and, and maybe make it seven wins. We'll see. I, yeah, I like I mean, I don't think six – yeah, six should be your floor. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, hopefully Tennessee's playing in a bowl game uh, this year, which – hey, let's they should have been playing in a bowl game this past year, okay? You should have just taken the McDonald's bags with you and gone to Memphis and had fun, but – so we can keep, you know, keep some some hope alive. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, get back to a bowl game and you're at least feeling good about the future. Yeah, and again, I, I know everybody hates hearing this, and, and there's no, there's been no – statistical evidence to back this up but you know when you're playing with a young team and they're playing with a new coaching staff and all this type of stuff you know those practices you get with the team those 15 or whatever it is I mean it can't hurt you I mean it really can't hurt you and so say 
you know, say at the end of the season, Tennessee's having quarterback issues again, which you hope not's the case, but we'll have to see. What if what if Caden Salter's your starting quarterback the last two games of the year, like Harrison Bailey was this past year? Mm-hmm. You mean to tell me those 15 extra practices wouldn't help Caden Salter going into the next year? I think it would. And so uh, it's important to be back in the bowl game, um, hopefully with a six win, you know. Uh, schedule at least three and seven go to a bowl game would have been a little embarrassing last year but <laughs> nonetheless we'll have to see I just I, I try to call things like I see it I try never to right. sugar, sugarcoat anything and I, I think the schedule is so easy and that doesn't mean that I think Tennessee's a good football team right yet right now but I think Tennessee should have some wins on the schedule for sure who, who do you think is the the most important player you know not not a quarterback because that's that's probably an easy answer but who do you think the most important player for Tennessee is this season yeah, that's a great question, and I'm glad you said not a quarterback because you've got to you got to fix quarterback. You yeah, that's, that's the um, easy one. <laughs> yeah, um, give me give me Tyler Barron. Ooh. Tennessee had no pass rush whatsoever last year, and uh, the secondary struggled. The defense overall struggled, and a lot of the reason was is because you had no you had no pressure up front. Quarterbacks could sit back there and, and you know literally do whatever they wanted to back there because Tennessee was getting no pressure on the quarterback. And I think if you can pressure the quarterback, that's going to help out so much in all areas of your defense. And so Tyler Barron kind of came on, played a lot as a freshman, took over a starting spot when some guys got kicked off the team last year. Um, can you take a new, a new step? And I think Tennessee's defense is going to be very versatile with him and with guys like Byron Young. And so you're going to see those guys put in position to make some plays. That's interesting to me because, you know, we've heard so much about Byron Young and not saying we haven't heard anything from Tyler Barron. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess I guess whoever is, you know, that mm-hmm. guy producing on, on the edge is definitely the guy. Because you, you had two guys last year who, you know, started off the season pretty hot and Kedvon Bennett and DeAndre Johnson, and neither one of those guys are here anymore. So, you know, yeah. you're going to need a lot of production off the edge. Absolutely. And uh, – Again, to help out with you know what you don't have at linebacker as well. Uh, an experienced defensive group who's going to be coached very very well. Um, you get some pressure from that outside linebacker, and you play you know five defensive backs. I think that whoever's playing linebacker, whether it's Jeremy Banks, Roman Harrison, if you get somebody from the transfer portal, which I think Tennessee's going to be trying to do that, um, it's going to kind of help regardless if you have some pressure coming off the edge to help you out. Right, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this. You mentioned it earlier too. This Tennessee defense doesn't need to be; they don't need to be tough. They just need to be able to make plays, um, and then that's and that pass rush obviously would, would add that into it. Um, just just make big plays when it matters. You hopefully the offense is good enough to that the defense can uh, can can just be that. That's that's your hope, um, especially with the talent left uh, left on this roster, specifically at, at linebacker. So uh, hopefully hopefully Tennessee gets that out of them. Yeah, and um, you know, I I think I, I keep going back, and everybody saw this, and you know, I'll be quick, but like Nick Saban was talking with the you know high school football coaches association of Louisiana or whatever a couple of weeks ago, and he said, "Hey, I had to change what I was doing because uh, that's just not how football was playing anymore." When Lane came, we said, "Hey, we got to keep up with him, or we're going to get left behind." And you know, seeing a coaching, seeing a coach like Nick Saban adapt and change his ways, and see the success that's come from that. Um, you know, if, if if he's if he can change, why can't you change? You know, who are you? And so um, I just look at that the way the defense is nowadays. Obviously, I'm a defensive guy. I love good defense. But, I mean, if you can cause turnovers, create negative plays, and, you know, come up with some big uh, big-time plays and big-time situations to help with your offense, 
that's just kind of what football is nowadays. And Tennessee certainly has some athletes on the offensive end that can go up and get it. And so um, I think it'll be interesting. Not a finished product this year without a doubt, but I think it will be a lot more entertaining and a little bit better of a product for Tennessee football in 2021. Yeah, you mentioned the linebackers. You know, looking at that, did, did you like kind of look at and see if you had any um, NCAA uh, eligibility left when they're, I, when they're scrounging looking for somebody else? Lane, I got one year, brother. I got one year on the <laughs> is table. That, is that two but, years with COVID? Oh, that is. <laughs> Tennessee does not want that. Let me tell you, you, Tennessee's hurting a linebacker right now. They'd be hurting bad if I was there. Trust me. <laughs> oh, that's that's awesome. awesome. I, Eric, it, it was great to have you on. Good to see you, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll have to do this again, you know, later on in the season, probably we'll have to get you on and um, get your insight. You know, I, I know you're super busy, so we appreciate the time. And, uh, we'll, you know, if y'all, if you ever need anybody, I know you have a ton of people with locked on balls, you know, you do it all. You do locked on balls, you do WNML, you do rivals, you do trivia at um, high wire. Well, we need to catch that Caleb. As oh, I, but, you're uh, doing trivia now. So, Wednesday night, seven o'clock at Highwire, man. Come see me. Did you? Uh, so, you, did you get that from uh, the um, Rivalry Thursday? You do trivia on that, right? Uh, I did. I have in the past. It's it's unrelated, okay. but uh, I forgot, I forgot say, about that. I'm experienced in trivia because of Rivalry Thursday. <laughs> no, guys, for sure, we'll get you on the podcast, and I, I'm going to get you both on the podcast for sure. It's just been swamped with uh, with spring football practice right now, but absolutely. And uh, for those of you guys that want uh, outside of of this awesome, awesome podcast. If you want to give Locked On Balls a listen, I encourage you to do so. You can check it out on pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts each and every weekday. So, appreciate it. And I also meant to tell you, too, I saw uh, Ramon Foster coming after you on Twitter the other day. I I'm, I, I, really, I don't know the exact beef. I missed that, that segment with him, but I got I'm, I got your back. I'm with you. Here, he he was in the wrong. That's all we need. Not, also, I need to mention not physically. If it goes beyond Twitter <laughs> – you, you, that's your own battle, but I'll, I will defend you on Twitter. So. Hey, thank goodness he was the uh, slowest man in the NFL per Madden. So oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm good there. <laughs> thanks, Eric. We appreciate it, man. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Eric Kane again of uh, uh, WNML Locked On Vols. Follow him on Twitter, underscore Kaner. Um, check him out, like I mentioned, on Locked On Vols and, uh, um, Trivia at Highwire. I'm a big Highwire fan, big trivia guy. Not great at trivia, but I play it. And you can't win if you don't play. So I'm 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 headed in the right direction. That's true. Yeah, you, you got to <laughs> play. Uh, just like you know, we go to San Otago sometimes. They play Singo. I don't yeah. know. Like, I don't really know the rules of Singo. I think there's a lot of luck in, luck involved with Singo. Oh, it's, it's, pretty, just, it's just the board? Like, you don't really have to pay attention? It's just the board? Well, you have to know the songs. But, yes, the board's important. Gotcha. gotcha, gotcha. Board, just like normal bingo, board's important. Okay. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah, I mean, um, we didn't – I don't think we, – we've been giving our predictions lately. So, I'm going to ask you because Scott Hester mentioned it here in the chat. He thinks Tennessee's going 7-5. and five. Last thing before we get out of football, I want to know your – you can go bold, you can go floor, you can go middle of the road. What's your prediction for Tennessee? I think if they are – like able to go to a bowl, like we don't have a, a postseason bowl ban. I, I would, I think we go to a bowl. I think we okay. go six and six. I would love to say we win eight games, but until I see something on the field that you know gives me that reasoning behind eight wins, um, I'm, I'm going to go kind of a safe pick, just like Kenan Hooker was a safe pick at <laughs> you know at quarterback. I'm going to go safe pick and just say six and six. 
the schedule definitely helps you like kind of talk yourself into seven or eight wins though. That's the thing that the schedule gives you that. Oh, when the season gets here, oh, I'm I'm going eight <laughs> wins. There's no uh, doubt about it. I've watched all three episodes of the Juice, so I'm I'm in non non ten win. Territory. Oh, you're juiced up. I'm very juiced up. Hey, Speaking be careful! Juice, don't don't yeah, don't be juicing the bases with uh, Evan Russell coming to bat at Vandy. <laughs> <No. laughs> yeah. Basketball roster. Let's jump into some basketball. Yeah, I, 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 I do want to say thanks for Eric to come on. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I know he's super busy all the time, so, you know, it was awesome to, to catch back up with former teammate and a guy that, you know, ha, has kind of went down, um, you know, to see him be like a an assistant guy covering Carson Newman sports to where he is now, you know, that's that's super awesome to see. So Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a great follow. Um, he does a great job covering Tennessee athletics, so Absolutely. definitely make sure you follow him. Um, follow him on Twitter. Uh, and then he mentioned Locked on Vols on everywhere you listen to the podcast. Um, so make sure you check that out. The uh, Always appreciate Kaner coming on. He's been – he's been on – he's officially – like he's a part of the show now. He, I don't know if he he probably doesn't want to be, but he's yeah, he's a he's now. a frequent flyer. <laughs> so, uh, congrats. Um, print print the shirts. You got the VIP um, card. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so let's let's talk basketball. John Fulkerson is just continuing to cement his name uh, in Tennessee folklore. First, <laughs> he's you know, I'm I'm back with the Jordan cloud behind him. Second, he's throwing the first pitch out. Then he's with the Legends of Lindsey Nelson. Then today, he's giving out popcorn to the Legends of Lindsey Nelson. He's he's He saw that they were a little maybe drunk, maybe a little hungover, hadn't quite gotten the hair of the dog yet. And he goes, I need to sober these kids up. We need a rally. He got the rally corn. He tried. He did his best. I like it. Yeah. He did Soaking his up best. The alcohol. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Did his best. And uh, that John, big John Fulkerson guy. Well, listen, because I know I know someone's going someone's gonna to text me later and say, hey, Caleb, you're an idiot for believing in John Fulkerson. Um, I know who that person is. I'm just not going to mention it. It's not that I believe in John Fulkerson as a basketball player. I believe in John Fulkerson as a mother effing Tennessee volunteer. Absolutely. That's all you can think of him as. Um, and the fact that he's slowly becoming the mascot of Tennessee baseball is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I mean, that first pitch was terrible. But, man, I had a great time watching it. And I'd be it more concerned just... if he threw a good first pitch. Exactly. Yeah, you, you don't want Tony Patel to steal him away. There's only one good first pitch. There's only one good first pitch. I've ever seen in my entire life, and it's George W. Bush in Yankee <laughs> Stadium. That's it. That's the only good first pitch. Name another one. Name another good first pitch. The only uh, ones you can remember were the bad ones. It definitely wasn't 50 Cent. <laughs> in it the dugout? Yeah. The 50 Cent was in the dugout. Was that Dude, that I thought, yeah, I think so. I think I thought Josh Heupel was going to throw a heater. Like, I thought he was going to bring it. He threw, um, he threw it out Friday night, Saturday night? Yeah, it's a little low. Um, but he, he said it was an 0-2 pitch, so you, you didn't want to give him anything to hit with, you know, an 0-2 pitch. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a good point. It's a great point. Dirt. Yeah, but Folky's <laughs> back. And, uh, you know, that video, man. When, I, when it first started, I was like, oh, crap, he's gone. Oh, no. I'm the music. I was like, that's a boy from the Tri-Cities. And he's staying I know. Home. I mean, but – there, there, there had to be that little Tennessee fan in you that was yeah. like, oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> he, he can't get well, too riled up. This is not anything against John Fulkerson, but it goes back into what I said a minute ago. It's not that I believe in him as a basketball player. It's mm-hmm. I believe in him as a Tennessee volunteer. He's he's not the best basketball player, but he's one of the best Tennessee volunteers of all time. 
Mm-hmm. I had to fast forward all the way through yeah. to see where he was going, and then then and I, had to watch it. I had to know. Oh, so you probably weren't as emotional as me. I was bawling. John Fulgris is back. I mean, it was it was happy tears for sure. Um, I need to send you this video. You're not as emotional as me, so like it would be fun. Like if it, if it was you, and you're like, "Hey, Caleb, you need to watch this video. Of this kid crying." So you sent you're like send it to me. Get my live reaction. I would cry in front of all these people, and it would be embarrassing. But you're not as emotional as me, so I'll just send it to you later. Yeah, we wouldn't get the same reaction. I don't like. I don't cry a lot. I'm surprised Tennessee's never made me cry. Like, football. I mean, like, yeah. There's, I mean, there's times where I like just a like, sadness. Right. I, I soak a lot, but I don't cry. Right. I think I've I think I've cried happy tears. I did. I uh, BYU. It was more anger. I'm surprised I didn't cry, but I just sat in the stands for a long time after that game. Oh. That was tough. I was I was thinking about that Florida game. Like I wanted to cry during that Florida game. 2016. The good one. Yeah, the good, the good one. one. The good one. I did almost cry. I again happy tears. I think I might have cried after the Hail Mary. Yeah. I think I might have. That was like I mean that was for multiple reasons. One, because I was going to AM the next week. Originally thought I'd wasted all this money. So then it was like a relief, like, oh my God, we're five and oh. Yeah. So I don't know. Tennessee makes me emotional. I mean, I can't imagine how emotional I would have been if, like, Evan Russell's Grand Slam would have been today and we had beat them in a series. I probably would have been that emotional. You would have peed your pants a little? I probably, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's I'm, uh, I, I probably did. I was just like – little pee? I was kind of hot, so I just thought it was sweat maybe. Right, right. Uh, so this basketball roster, though, I mean, we're feeling – I, you know, what, when did all that happen? I guess we didn't get to talk about everything, right? So, so we did, we got to uh, Jonas Adu. Yeah. Who did officially sign, correct? Correct. So, yeah. All three of them signed. So, Quinn, the Boongie is signed, Jonas Adu, and then Brandon Hunley Hatfield signed, instilled, delivered, reclassified. I mean, we're big. Yeah, that, we were from having no size to a lot of size. Tennessee's not going to lack size, and I'm still, you know, I'm in the camp of I, the same thing we talked about with Jonas Adu. Adu, um, Rick Barnes has got to play the big men before I believe it. Like before, I'm not going to just going to say. Right now, Tennessee, the only thing they've gained on this roster is, in my eyes, John Fulkerson and Justin Powell. Yeah, that's true. Because I mean, Brandon Hunley Hatfield, yeah, it's it's a five star. But he technically should be a junior in high school. So, yeah. you know, when, when he's here his freshman year, you know, he, he probably isn't what, what could be a good thing for Tennessee is he's probably not a one and done because he probably reclassified so he could have a year of college basketball and not have to make that jump to the NBA. Right, right. And, yeah, I, so we'll – I don't know. But until Rick Barnes plays them, obviously it's going to be great to have them on the roster. They're going to be really talented. But, but – yeah, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. I'm sorry, I'm not. I think he's done a great job of going out and getting them, but the last two big men that you know he's gotten that should have been pretty good, both left after their freshman year after not playing a single minute for Tennessee. It's true. Yeah, I, and it's not – I don't – again, I've no, like, I like Rick Barnes as a coach. I'm with everyone that was tweeting after they got – after Hunley Hatfield committed. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, you wanted to fire this guy? I'm in the same camp as them. But I'm also like, he's got to play them his freshman year before I believe it. So, yeah, I mean, th- there's definitely pieces of this roster. I-, I think it, 
and I might be just saying this because it's the the upcoming season isn't here yet, but I'm it, it seems to fit a lot better. You know, you went and addressed yeah. needs, whereas oh, like sure. I feel like last year you got like a ton of really good players with you know Springer and, and Keon Johnson, but like were they guys that you like had to get? Were they yeah. guys that you like, like needed to to take your roster to the next level? Right. I think I think both of them could. I don't know. Yeah. I mean they. I don't know. That that's a tough question. I, th- I think you got maybe it was one of those situations you maybe got the best talent available. You know, I don't, yeah, it's, hard to, it's hard to say without really kind of going back and fully evaluating that class. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, we'll we'll see. I, I thought I'm ha- I'm very very happy, obviously, to have um, to to get the class that Tennessee got and to keep John Fulgerson for another year. I think that's gonna be big with those young guys. Um, I think it can help John Fulgerson a lot. But yeah, we'll uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm obviously excited, but I'm pumping the brakes a little bit in terms of let's see what happens. I was shocked. I don't know, but like, because I guess Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer didn't even start starting until several games into the season. Yeah, it was almost SEC plays when they so, started. Yeah, we'll we'll see as far as this roster goes. Um, I do think. I mean, I've got to think from Rick Barnes' perspective. There's not a single player on this roster that has a starting spot right now, right? You know, maybe John Fulgerson because the the lack of experience that you have um you know maybe him maybe Josiah Jordan James is up there too but even then you know if you get some guys like Justin Powell you know Meshack Dabunji that come in here and and produce you know maybe he I don't know I I I think Josiah Jordan James is a starter I'll say that that's fair I I think those two are probably like maybe 98 percent if it's not 100 it it might be 98 feels like 98 um (laughs) But I mean, guys like like I told you before, we got these big guys. That are like, if Tennessee doesn't sign a big man, I'm out. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Which is funny that you say that because you definitely would not have been out. That's so. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's definitely not true at all. Definitely would have been <laughs> reeled back in. But you know, I, I was gonna say it for the time being. Um, but yeah, you're you're able to get a guy like Jonas Adu. Um, you're able to use that pipeline with the Bobby Mays elite. Shout out Bobby Mays. Shout out. And, uh, and and then you get Brandon Hunley Hatfield, and you know five star. He was the number six player in the country, but when he reclassified, now he's at the number twenty one player in the country. Guess when you sign with Tennessee, your ranking goes down. But hey, whatever, we'll take it. Yeah, that's a pretty um, big drop just to reclassify. I don't know. That's I guess maybe they haven't seen enough film of him, according to yeah, according to them. Um, I do have a question regarding last year's basketball team? So we'll answer it, and then we're gonna get past it. But it's from uh. UK reactions. He said, what happened uh, in your all's opinion to Oregon versus Oregon state? Was it more good Oregon state, bad Tennessee? He was only able to catch the second half. I think it was definitely a mix of both. I think Tennessee was on their downward trend at that point, not playing their best basketball. Oregon state was playing their best basketball. Tennessee didn't, you, you didn't have John Fulkerson, um, which maybe probably attributed a little bit to not playing your best basketball at that point. Cause he was playing better. Um, Tennessee didn't have a guy that would go to the rim with no convictions. Um, Oregon, I mean, and Oregon State was just playing good. Like I think that's another thing too. We talked about it with baseball. Like it can't it can't just be Tennessee didn't play good. Vanderbilt's a good team that played good. Oregon State played good. Like that that's just kind of the, the way it is sometimes. 
Yeah, you, you ran into one of the hottest teams in the tournament in, in Oregon State who, you know. Would have been if UCLA didn't go on a tear. Correct. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, UCLA was was definitely that that but, team but that no State one expected to be there. Yeah, but Oregon State would have easily been the, the hottest team had UCLA not been. Right. On the most magical run of all time. Yeah, because, yeah, they, they Oregon State would not have been in the tournament if they didn't win the Pac-12 championship. Right. And, and they did – or the the – Pac-10. Yeah. I don't say Pac-12. That's a long time ago. Pac-12. It is Pac-12. Pac-10. Yeah, Pac-10. Pac-10. Okay. You threw me off. Woo, you oh, got me. Sorry, sorry. Man, <laughs> it's been one of those weekends. Um, Pac-10, though, is when NCAA uh, football was the best. So, It's true. It's true. Um, but, yeah, like they, they won that tournament, and they're just hot. And Tennessee wasn't a team that, you know, if you're hitting threes, they probably weren't going to beat you. And they come out hitting threes like they never have before. And, you know, it, it was a combination of things. Tennessee didn't wasn't playing their best basketball when you run in, when they ran into a team that could shoot the three ball. You know, the, things didn't work out very well. And right. that's what happened. Right. Absolutely. Do um, you have anything else for this basketball roster? I mean, I mean, you have the number two recruiting class coming in. So that's that's something to to really hang your hat on um, number one in the SEC. So take that Kentucky. Anytime we beat Kentucky, I just love it and everything. Um, that's pretty much with every SEC team though. I'll just yeah. love beating. I just love being on top. It's hey, you mean, hey, you mentioned how you think um, Alabama is the, or excuse me, Vanderbilt is the Alabama football. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this Kentucky fan asking a question, it makes me think as far as we talk about how unlucky Tennessee is in sports, is there another team that, that their rival is the best at every sport, like so, or at their sport. So Tennessee's rival oh, in incredible. football, historic. Their historic rival in football is um, Alabama. Their historic rival in basketball is Kentucky. Their historic rival, well, j- this isn't so much baseball. It's just like your in-state rival naturally is Vanderbilt. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the landscape of the SEC. LSU maybe gives Vanderbilt a run for as far as like being the most historical baseball program in the SEC, but Vanderbilt's definitely either one or two. Yeah, it's definitely Florida or Vanderbilt as their rival in the SEC, and those two are you know two of the best programs in college baseball history. So, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like Tennessee just they they want to beat the best, I guess. Yeah, that's a stretch of, but it yeah. sucks. <laughs> it sucks. I mean. I don't know if there's another like program, like a full athletic program that has that kind of like, can, like I don't know, comp- competition in every single sport like that, where it's like you're the person that the team that is on your schedule there that is naturally your rival, you know. And it, it, it well, it's funny too. Is I mean, the Kentucky rivalry I think is kind of drawn up like that, um, like the kind of because Kentucky's always been the best where we just had a comment. Alabama's not the enemy of Tennessee. No, I mean, Alabama and Alabama and Tennessee before Tennessee was shit the last 10 years was literally the most historic rivalry in college football. Um, so, and it's because like historically both those programs were very, very good. Um, two of the best football coaches of all time in it. So yeah, the last 10 years, if you're going to just look at that, it's completely changed the landscape of the rivalry. Um, but historically speaking, no, that they are. And, um, but yeah, the, it's just funny to kind of think about it like that. Like when you said Vanderbilt's the, the Alabama of college baseball, it made me laugh. Cause I was like, Alabama, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, 
thank God Tennessee's usually been the best at women's basketball, you know, for the longest time. Thanks. Shout out pass on it. Yeah, now our big uh, and what the biggest rival with that has been Geno and UConn. <laughs> well, the, that's a rivalry bred out of success, like nothing. Right. Kind of correct. Kind of like the Alabama Tennessee rivalry of you know mm-hmm. his, of as far as historical goes. Right. Um, that one was definitely bred out of success. Success, but I mean, if you look at what Tennessee's like, I mean, what Pat Summit did. Look at all the SEC programs that have had success with like South Carolina. Um, uh, is it Mississippi State that was really really good a couple years ago? Yeah, in women's basketball, LSU's had some good years. So, like, yeah, I mean, definitely success has bred up bred up those rivalries and uh, made them a lot of fun. But yeah, the yeah, that one's definitely out of success. Um, can we talk about the Lady Vols? Yeah, Lady Vols softball, I assume, is what you're talking about. They just finished up a big win tonight. Did they not? Or is it over yet? Um, I don't know. But if you're talking Lady Vols basketball, I would love to. But you know, I, I'll just be honest with you. We'll, we'll talk about it when big things happen. But I'm pretty ignorant to it. But no fear, we have um, a volunteer roadshow. We have uh, Alexis Hornbuckle um, uh, has a show covering the Lady Vols. So you need to follow along so you don't miss that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, that that is – I hate that you brought that up because that kind of sucks with the – like the best – like our rivals in each sport are – kind of the best at, at what they do so that's kind of unfortunate yeah so but, the lady vols played sorry the lady vols played south carolina tonight i'm trying to see if they i think the game's over i believe they won i believe i saw it like during the show that mm. they won but i can't find the final but yeah i think they got a big win over south carolina tonight sorry sorry i just totally interrupted you no you're good um yeah that that's kind of depressing so thanks for that i appreciate it <laughs> you're welcome hey that's all i'm here to do here bring you down it's <laughs> my job. Um, we got anything else? I'm excited for basketball season. I'll say that. Yes, uh, I think the the excitement is is there, and you know it, it's not like we're excited for football season, but maybe because we so much it's new and we didn't have one last year, so maybe that's part of it. Right. But when it comes to like being a really good. I don't think anybody really expects Tennessee to be a really good football team. I, I think they expect Tennessee to have a really good basketball team next year. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Also, yeah, Lady Vols won 11-0 to South Carolina. Ooh, so, yeah, took care of business. Like it. Took care of business. And that one was on the road, too. So, they'll play this series finale tomorrow night. All right. Well, um, any more questions? I uh, don't think I've had any more. Um Sven, is that how you say your name? He said it was Mississippi State that was good um, basketball lately. Yeah, no, we're pumped about baseball, though. I uh, mentioned that. It, that's another thing, too, I want to talk about, how we were, like, people calling them bandwagon fans. This would have been the same thing last year. That – and, like, I mean, you could argue – you could argue that last year's baseball team might have been better because you have one of the best pitchers in the MLB draft last year and Garrett Crochet that didn't get to play at all for Tennessee. Yeah. And you have your ace this year that didn't get to play for Tennessee. Yeah, that's a good point. And Jackson Leith. So, you know, you're, you're talking about competing with Vanderbilt. You know, you know what if they didn't have Rocker or Lauder? You know, that's a completely different team. Right. For sure. So, yep. stuck on that. <laughs> uh, we got one more question here. Uh, most memorable Tennessee football win in your lives. So we're both fairly young um, as far as Tennessee <laughs> football goes, very young, um, 1995. So we we were alive for the national championship. 
Um, unless Landon's got a much better memory than I do. Don't remember it. Yeah, um, I was three, so no, yeah. definitely don't remember that. I think my my first memory of, of Tennessee football um, was a touchdown, I believe, against Arkansas. See, this is how bad it is. Um, it was against Arkansas, and uh, James Banks caught one in the back of the end zone. I believe it might maybe in overtime. Okay. Uh, in the south end zone, in the end zone we sit in. That's my first – my actually, my, I'll take it back. My very, very first memory, and I I, it, I think we talked about this last year. And, and I, I hate this for the grounds crew because I hold it against them. I remember when I was young walking into Neyland Stadium and the grass – like it was like the prettiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I walk in and I remember how bright the lights were. It's a night game or like the sun was starting to set. The lights were so bright. The grass was so green. The orange in the end zones popped, and I was like – Holy shit. Yeah, he said that too to my dad. I was like, holy shit, this is amazing. I was like six years old. I just yeah, cussed him out. Sure just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, this is like I was I to this day, I'm like, nothing's there. I haven't seen Neyland Stadium that pretty in my entire life. It's one of those memories that you like re remember over and over and it gets prettier every time. And like it's I to this day, the prettiest thing I can ever remember seeing. Yeah, I, I when when I th- I'm trying to think of who did this. I think it was Inky Johnson who described it as the Roman Coliseum of yeah. college football. I mean, it, I think I've I've heard it a billion times, but yeah, you know, every time I hear it, I'm just like, "That's you're it. Damn, you're damn right." <laughs> yeah. Um, Unfortunately, we've been the ones getting slaughtered lately. But in the Roman Coliseum, one day we'll return, though. My first we'll my return. first memory is probably I was at the seven overtime game against Arkansas. Yeah. When Jason Witten ended it, and I don't really remember the game, but I remember being there. Because it was like 2 a.m. I was like, yeah, this is way too late. <laughs> eight, seven, something like that. So, like, I shouldn't have been up that late, but here we were. And my dad's not going to go home. And your, dad's <laughs> so, like, and your dad's probably looking back on that, like, thank God we didn't have cell phones or I would have had to take Landon home. Like, yeah. he would have been getting calls from your mom, like, bring him home now. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have church tomorrow. I was probably <laughs> falling asleep, and he was probably just like <laughs> slapping me to wake me up. <laughs> Uh, so most memorable win. I kind of went off on a tangent there. I apologize. Um, is that your most memorable win? That's a good memory. I remember that game. Yeah. Um, I, I think my most memorable win, like I remember the whole entire game. And this is kind of sad, but it like Florida is probably like just like being at the game. Right. Right. It's probably because there there was that four years where I didn't get to go to Tennessee football games because I had games of my own at Carson Newman. So, you know, I didn't get to kind of witness anything like that. But 2016 is probably the most recent great game I remember. I mean, and that's a good one. I mean, and I think think that's too what sucks is like that's the only reason a lot of people don't like it is because of the way the season ended. But that game was – I mean, that's an all-time Tennessee game. Right. Mine, though, is, is older than that, and I don't remember the whole game. But I was when I was very very young at this point. Um, this is the 2004 Florida game, the um, uh, James Will Hoyt 50 yard field goal to win it after missing the extra point. Big special teams guy, always have been a big special teams guy. Um, so was a big James Will Hoyt fan. I remember crying in my living room when he missed the extra point because like for t- that first off that he lost the game. But I was also like one like I was like I, everyone's gonna hate him now. I was like, I don't want people to hate him. Not and James. I, my mom was so mad. She was like, we have not lost yet. Stop crying. Like, I remember her yelling at me. Like, the game is not over. And I was like, what do you mean the game's not over? Like, that's it. <laughs> and sure enough, 
James Woolhoy gets to be the hero. And so like that for me, and like that is my everyone, you know, is out shooting in the yard, you know, you're out shooting basketball in your driveway, three, two, one countdown. Mm-hmm. I was obviously a kicker. Like that's you're like, I never want to miss the extra point. Never want to do that. But I do want that game winning drive, 50 yard field goal to win it that no one thinks is going to go in. You want that. Oh yeah. So like that, that like snowballed into like my dream. Like that's how memorable that game was for me. And, and I love that, that you were crying saying we lost because like now Tennessee never gets that lucky. When you miss an extra <laughs> no, point, you lost the game. It's over. It's over. It is over. So that's hilarious. Uh, that, that yeah. was, uh, that was future Caleb crying. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. If we had hit that, Field goal against Bama. If Daniel Lincoln hadn't put that one into freaking Mount Cody's chest. Twice. Um, twice. Um, okay, so ooh, when Tennessee finally beats Alabama again, how are you guys celebrate? This is actually a good question because I have a standing bet. Um, the next time Tennessee beats Alabama, I'm getting uh, an ass tap. Landon's got his cigar picked out. We will be it's smoking right cigars. It's right here. Um, it's ready. Yep, and I'll be getting an ass tap. So hope Hard Knock stays open that late that night. Yeah. Or maybe we're in Tuscaloosa when it happens. Hey, we'll somebody will, we'll find somebody to do it. <laughs> prison prison tap, <laughs> dirty needles and all. <laughs> um, yeah. For those of you who don't know, I've actually never smoked a cigar in my life. So my first one, my my cigar virginity will be taken when Tennessee finally beats Alabama. It's gonna be a good one too. I, I I've been I've told him like you can't smoke one before then now, but she yeah. doesn't care to which is good so yeah you just now you gotta wait waiting's important <laughs> yeah um i don't have any more questions here that's uh thanks for thanks for all those guys we appreciate it hey we want every week every episode uh we want to talk about what you want to talk about drop them in the chat we will uh do our best to, to hit them and uh and, yes and- especially when you know when baseball season's over it's it's gonna be a <laughs> a long ways until football season so we definitely want to get everybody's questions in here and uh and talk to you guys because, uh, you know, if no one listens to the show, what's the point of doing the show? So um, <laughs> we, we want to have you guys involved um, all the time. So, yeah, really appreciate you tuning in. We're not done yet either. Drop them in. Actually, you know, we want you all to participate in our most important of the week, which we're getting to right now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just keep talking. Tell us what you saw this week that you want to uh, – that doesn't have to be sports. That's the big thing. It doesn't have to be sports. Mention what you saw. I will go first. This is kind of sports. Legends of Lindsey Nelson. Probably not my last shout out this episode. The mullet luge, it's back. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's, that's awesome. Sexy. That's sexy. It's awesome. That's the sexiest thing I've ever it's seen on a baseball. It's disgusting, film. but it's oh, awesome. <laughs> I mean, like, I would probably never do it in my head. I'm like, I would totally do that. But there's <laughs> like, in the moment, I don't think I could talk myself into it. I mean, it, like, when whenever Russell hit that home run, I would like in that moment, hell yeah, I'd do it. <laughs> now I'm like. No, there ain't no way so, I can ever do it. So to you guys on the first baseline, if there's another grand slam in Lindsey Nelson, you all have to get over to the third base side as fast as possible so you can get Landon to do a mullet luge. Absolutely. I will do you it. you got to. And, and the the thing, too, that made it great for me is the D1 uh, ticker, D1 baseball, tweeted, fact, college baseball is more fun when Tennessee is good. Yeah, true. that's a fact. And that's not a bandwagon statement. That's just true. And, like, sports in general is just better. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I, I think a lot of people have said, you know, college football is better when Tennessee's good, right? 
Right. I mean, it's definitely better for us because we talk about Tennessee sports all the time. So <laughs> we definitely want to want to have a good team to talk about. Um, my my first one has nothing to do with Tennessee, but hey, Legend Lindsey Nelson, just keep it going, keep it rolling, baby. Um, keep knocking, keep blowing those balls out of the park. Um, according to Tony Vitellos. So last chance, you star KJ Allen is no longer going to USC. He has committed to Mark Adams and the new staff at Texas Tech. Oh, nice. Okay. I thought he was already at USC, so that's news to me. I guess he had signed there, but wasn't there yet. Wasn't enrolled already. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. Well, good for him. Yeah. I like KJ Allen a lot, so cheering for him at another school now. Do you have any more most important? Um, I thought I did. I need to uh to double check though. Um been a bit it's been a good week big week a lot of so, lot of so i have one more and it's from last week but i didn't get to it until later on but it was when alabama and a&m beat jackson state so Deion sanders team um hung 52 on them and alabama a&m's quarterback was asked what advice for Deion sanders um and he said it's kill or be killed go recruit some more five stars damn Well, that is that's a that's quite the uh, press conference, I would assume. <laughs> I love it. That's a great quote. That's a phenomenal quote. Um, I do have one more, and I didn't plan this, um, but this is apparently the uh, the most important mullet of the week. Uh, another mullet one. Yeah. A guy named Chuck Robert. Chuck Are you Roberts, trying to tell us something? Are you trying to grow one? I would love to grow a mullet. I, I can't grow enough hair to grow a mullet. Like that's <laughs> that's how bad the hair situation is over here. Um, Chuck Roberts on Facebook, I guess he's a photographer in, um, I can't remember what, what area, but he said after photographing 29 different schools this season, this is basketball. He said the votes are in meet the 2021 all mullet team. And dude, there are some legendary mullets. I'm going to try to get it up here for you because these bullets need to be shown. They are awesome. They are electric. I mean, not like you couldn't ask for any more in a mullet. Like that's it. That's all you, that's what you want. And um, I, I think we did the all teammate team. I think we need a good all mullet team next. Like that, that's what needs to come next. Um, all mullet team. All mullet team would be electric. You, you would love to see it. I'm trying to get this over to my computer. I've only got the picture on my phone. I mean, uh, sure. if all of Vanderbilt, they all have the same barber apparently, and he only does one haircut because they all have the same haircut. So I mean, they? If they I just, I yeah, if they get any more flow, they might they might have a whole team full of mullets. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, I'm I'm close to getting this image up, guys. So Landon, you might you might see it in a minute, but uh, yeah, Land, Landon's gonna. You got any more most important? I have to take it over a while. Uh, that's all I got, and I don't think I have a fail either. Um, so. Mm. I don't think I, I have one. I think I've got a fail. It's not the mullet. I can promise you that. The mullet is 100% back. Um, this is, I mean, it's a, I guess it's a fail, but like more so definitely, I feel like I'm actually going to give Nick Saban some credit, and I don't like that. But did you see Nick Saban almost get ran over in the crimson and white game? No, I didn't. I didn't, get, interception. To watch, I didn't get to watch any of that, which I'm kind of glad because I wouldn't, have wa- I wouldn't have watched any of it. So like, apparently right. somebody was like, you know, in case you're wondering, Alabama looks really good, and I'm like, oh great, here we go. I mean, I wouldn't have expected anything different. So yeah, I'm surprised zero percent, but 
I don't want to hear that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to hear it or see it. So it's like, uh, does it? It's like if a tree falls in the wood. If I don't watch Alabama football, are they actually good? It's true. Can't can't prove it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was an interception. Also, he does this every year. Maybe there's something to it. He wears a suit for the whole game. Is there like is that like some tradition? I don't know. I don't know either. But he does it. Wasn't he in a pink suit? Yeah, I, I don't know. If it, it, it's pinkish. It's definitely got a pink. There's a pink to it. But uh, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird situation, dude. Where does this photo go? gonna drive myself you guys have to i sent it to your phone landon have you seen it yet yeah brutus is loving it he's like show me the mullet (laughs) all right here we go it's uploading y'all are about to see the greatest mullets ever uh my last fail of the week i thought i had one more Uh, i don't want to share that that's mean i'll stay away from that it's the one i sent you earlier just stupid stupid people I won't, I won't do that. Um, that's My fellow is just the people who like are against people being in a stadium. Yes. Like, if, if you don't want to be in it, don't go. Don't be mad that other people want to be in it. Right. Right. All right. Here you go. All mullet team. It's it's excellent. I mean, that is. Those dudes are electric factories. I want my mullet back. That I mean, that's – I mean, well, that guy at the top right, he has like a perm and a mullet. That That is peak hair. Hair peaked at mullets. There's, there can be nothing more. I love it. Big fan. Big fan. Mm. Guys, appreciate y'all listening. Appreciate y'all talking with us. We always enjoy it. Keep, keep up. Follow us on Twitter, at more underscore issues. Follow Landon. Follow me, please. I need more followers. I got to get my followers up big time. Um, but most important, follow more important issues along for updates about this week's show. Um, letting you guys know what's what's happening there, uh, whether it be on Wednesday or Sunday, just the next show. Make sure you follow along uh, so you know when that's happening. Don't want you all to miss it. Make sure you check out the other shows on Volunteer Roadshow. You can only do that if you follow Volunteer Roadshow on Twitter and Facebook. So make sure you, you go and hit that follow button after we get off here. Absolutely. 